Today is Monday, August 14th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. A freed Christian nurse in Haiti shares a powerful message after their release. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast, where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Subscribe and leave a rating and share it with a friend. You can email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now to get through the news of the Cray as we're doing each and every weekday at 7 a.m., Billy Hallowell today. What's up, Billy? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. I'm, uh, as always, living the dream. Excited to be here. Yes, indeed. And uh, as I mentioned at the top, this nurse freed and sharing some words now after her release, some, some really strong faith commentary there in the midst of that fire, as she called it. So looking forward to the details on that. For the focus story, Billy, we've got a uh, an interesting topic to dive into here. Yeah, you know, the chosen, whether or not the chosen violates the second commandment. Really an interesting debate we'll be kind of working through today. Yeah, it's a conversation that uh, ha- is out there. You might have bumped into it uh, online or in your circles. It's just it's not the most common one, but uh, it is certainly a thought provoking one. We'll dive into that for sure uh, in a few minutes. Also on the main thing, a shocking number of orphans actually age out of the system. It's one of the lesser known tragedies that really impact culture today. Madison Seals has more on one group that's fighting that problem for today's main thing. But first, we are going to go through the news here in 90 seconds. Alex Dorsonville and her daughter are citing one song in particular that was their rallying cry while they were being held captive in Haiti. Alex said she's completely humbled by the outpouring of support and prayer for myself and my sweet baby, both during and following our time in captivity. She said, God was so very present in the fire with us, and I pray that when I find the words to tell our story, that the mighty name of Jesus may be glorified and many people will come to know his love. Powerful words there. She also added that, uh, after she was kidnapped, she re- she recalled the song Sea of Victory by Elevation Worship Worship as part of their rallying cry that kind of helped them get through it. She said there's a part that said you can take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. And that helped them get through that difficult trial. And Hawaii Governor Josh Green said over the weekend that global warming played a major role in the Maui wildfire that destroyed a historic town and has so far killed at least 93 people. He talked about how the fire was spurred on by the wind and jumped from spot to spot. He said that's what a fire hurricane is going to look like in the era of global warming. And he added that global warming is very real for us and everywhere. And a quick-thinking motel owner and sheriff's deputy rescued two trafficking victims. That incredible story and more are over at cbnnews.com. Powerful story, Billy, here from the nurse who was in captivity. We still don't know if there was any ransom paid or how she and her daughter were freed. But nevertheless, really cool to hear her pointing to Christ in the midst of that. And that, that was her mindset in the middle of that trial. 
Yeah. And it has to be so hard, by the way, for something to be so public, right? Like, yeah. you know, you have to put it, you have to put a statement out because everybody wants to know what's going on. And I thought her statement was great. Yeah. But I always feel for people in these situations because you're trying to process through what I imagine was very traumatic, right? 13 days in captivity, unsure of what's going to happen. And now you've got to kind of be you know, public with it. But I love that she used that moment to point people back to God and to kind of tease the fact that that is the story, right? That yeah. her faith is what sustained her. So it's, uh, thank God. I mean, that the story ended the way that it did. Yep. And you often hear how God uses music. And it's interesting in these situations, we cover a lot of these stories. And I don't know if you remember, Billy, the one from a couple of years ago, there was a young boy, I, he might've been eight or nine years old, something like that. And he got kidnapped in a car, just walking on his road. And he, he got kidnapped and was trapped in this car with a, a guy, a grown man. And so he just had the idea. God gave him the idea to start singing worship songs over and over and over again. And the guy eventually just let him go because, because of those songs that he was singing. And so that was one way that a song helped here. In this instance, that song just came to her mind and just gave her comfort in the midst of this and perspective, right? Instead of panicking and falling apart. I mean, I would imagine it's absolutely terrifying to be at the hands of a group of gangs in a place that's really largely lawless to some degree, knowing there's no help coming. And it's uh, got to be daunting, but God uses music sometimes in these situations to remind us and help us. And obviously music that points back to scripture as well. Yeah. I mean, you think about some of the songs that have been made into movies even, right? Like yeah. they, they were clearly, they resonated so deeply. I can only imagine, I still believe these, these songs that, you know, very different scenario from what we're talking about, but that have had so much meaning to people and they have a story behind them. And so you know, God created music, obviously for worship of him. And also I think to, to edify us and connect us to him. And so I'm um, really just in incredible hearing her sort or actually reading her say, Hey, yeah. this was a song that sustained me. So yeah. very good story. Indeed. Glad she, that worked out the way it did for her and her daughter. All right. We're going to head over to the focus story now. And as we talked about just a moment ago, a very interesting topic indeed to dive into here. Pastor Vody Bauckham says he won't watch the hit TV series, the chosen. And he's got a specific reason why what's the story here. Yeah, so this all unfolded during a conversation August 2nd with the Babylon Bee podcast. Bakum was on there talking about a whole slew of issues. It's more than an hour long, this interview. Um, but The Chosen came up. They were having a conversation about why Bakum goes on certain outlets, outlets that might not be Christian outlets, you know, like sort of where he draws the line. And he was differentiating between, you know, going on a show like Glenn Beck that isn't necessarily a Christian show, but it's sort of Christian adjacent. Um, and why he appreciates being able to do that because he could talk about his faith when he goes on CNN and other outlets. He doesn't get to do that. It doesn't go as well for him. And so he just was sort of appreciating the ability to go on shows like like Glenn Beck. Um, and, you know, during the conversation, though, he brings up you know, the chosen. Actually, one of the hosts of the show brought up the chosen sort of as a passing comment. And he he was like, hey, you know, you brought up the chosen. That's a line that I draw. And so they start to have, it's a very short conversation about the chosen, very short, uh, where the hosts say, oh, you know, have you watched it? And he said, no. Uh, he says, 2CV, man, second commandment violation. And I had to look up 2CV <laughs> because I had not actually seen that acronym before, but it means second commandment violation, as Bakum said there. Um, and he said, that's one of my lines. So, 
you know, this got a lot of attention because he said, look, I don't watch The Chosen because it seems what he was saying here is in his view, it it violates the second commandment. Very interesting. What is the second commandment ban and what does it preclude? Sure. It's so Exodus 24, um, you know, chapter 20, verse four, it reads, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. And so, you know, it's about not making an image in the form of anything. Essentially that would, that would be worshiped, right? I mean, that, that is essentially, and, and most of us know this, we've heard this commandment. Um, it's, it's interesting again, because of the context of what that conversation was and, you know, he obviously wanted to say what he wanted to say about the chosen, right? It was something he wasn't being specifically asked about this. It came up and he made that comment about that violation, that potential violation. So it's definitely, it's definitely an interesting position for sure. Yeah, it is. And, um, and to be clear, I'm pretty sure that Vody Bauckham has had this stance in general. So I don't think it was like singling out the chosen per se. I mean, I think that's a, you know, two CV, I think from, from his view is going to be anything that fits under that category. So the chosen would just be in that category. So I don't, uh, I, I don't I don't know that he, I mean I can't speak for voting but it, I don't think he was specifically saying hey I'm I'm feeling like slamming the chosen today I think this is you know something that he knows is, is probably a lesser known view and so he's drawing attention to it but how did the chosen creator Dallas Jenkins respond yeah and to your point on what you just said that's why I wish the conversation were longer yeah. they kind of dropped the conversation because it was an interesting I think he wanted people to know where he stood on it, which is completely fine. You know, I, th- I think that part that part is interesting, though, because he could have just skipped it and the host could have gone deeper and they didn't. Um, so now we've got a lot of questions. Right? I want to know more. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so so Dallas Jenkins, uh, Dallas Jenkins, who created The Chosen, he did respond to this. He went on his Facebook page and in a fairly long response, he said, you know, I, I love Bauckham, but I think this take is misapplied. Um, he said the second commandment is clearly referring to objects of worship and most likely specifically objects of worship that compete with God. Um, he then went on to cite Exodus 20 verses four. You know, I read verse four before he went through verse six um, and he talked about the additional context that precludes making carved images. You know, verse five implores people not to bow down or serve these images. And he said this was a factor that differentiates the chosen from what's being described there in, in you know, Jenkins view in scripture. He then went on to write pastor Bauckham's logic is that because a movie or show portraying Christ is showing someone who comes from heaven, then it's idolatrous or because it's the portrayal of God, an image of God is idolatrous. And this is the interesting part. He went on to say, but it's not the portrayal or image itself. That's the issue. He said, if it was, then as the verse says, anything on earth or even water would be wrong to portray. It's clearly the worship of it. And I have to say, I thought that was a very compelling line because when you do read the scripture, it talks about anything on earth, anything in water. Yeah. Um, it's not just an image of God. Uh, he went on then to say, you know, that God is a jealous God. And this, again, has to do with worship. So I, he wrote more, but I'll stop there. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly interesting. And I, you know, I'm not going to opine on this one just because I haven't studied it. And I'm not going to just women get, you know, go on a whim here and just <laughs> throw out an idea. So it's but it is an interesting one. I'm, I'm sure I'm going to go down some YouTube rabbit holes later today trying to find out more on 2CV. And uh, because, look, it's it's something that uh, we. These are the sorts of issues that 
as thinking Christians, we, we want to examine, right? Like, you, you know, you want to make sure that you're um, doing the right things and that you're following God and you're, you know, obeying what he wants for us. And so, you know, when people yeah. bring things up, especially people like Fody Bakum are very smart individuals, you know, these are not people who are just haphazardly doing things. So um, it's, I, I think it's incumbent on us to just to take a look and take a dive on our own and, and see what we can find. Yeah. I would love, I would love to hear more from him on this because, yeah. you know, I think both of them are making interesting arguments. I do think the big question that needs to be answered, like, you know, is, is what Jenkins and I'm, I'm sure that Bauckham has a response to it, right. Yep. You know, anything on water, anything on earth, it's not just saying images of God, it, like literally a well, a dolphin, like what, where does the line, where's the line drawn? Right. If it's not about worship and I, and I, Again, I'm sure there's an interesting explanation. So hopefully we get to <laughs> litigate that at some yeah. point. I would love to. Yeah, definitely. And I know that uh, we are going to be at CBN interviewing uh, Mr. Bauckham soon here for his latest endeavors that he's doing. And um, I'm sure we can have that conversation uh, when the time exactly. comes. So looking forward to that. All right, Billy. Appreciate you putting that one on our radar this morning. We're going to head over to the main thing now. And on the heels of International Youth Day over the weekend... Madison Seals talked to Kelly Bunkers about her organization's effort to build a support network for children who age out of orphanages. This is one of those problems that's really underneath the radar here for a lot of people in the country. And it's just it's really a big tragedy to have kids that just age out of these orphan orphanage systems and and care and then head out into adulthood without ever really having a family. So. Uh, Madison has the story on how one organization's fighting that. That's today's main thing. Last Saturday was International Youth Day, a day that raises awareness to the cultural and legal issues surrounding youth. One of the most difficult of these issues surrounds young people who grew up in orphanages and children's homes and eventually aged out, many of them without a support system. Kelly Bunkers is the Senior Technical Advisor for Changing the Way We Care, a nonprofit that works to support the world's most vulnerable children. And she's highlighting the story of these care leavers in Guatemala who built their own network of support called United for Change. Kelly, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Madison. First, tell me a little bit about your organization, Changing the Way We Care, and then how you got connected to this Guatemalan group. Great. Thanks for um, inviting me here. Changing the Way We Care is a global initiative made up of two organizations, Catholic Relief Services and Maestral International, but working with dozens of partners around the world and the countries in which we work, one of them being Guatemala. And our main focus is really to promote what we say is safe and nurturing family care for all children. And we do that in a variety of ways. And one of the ways is through supporting this group of young people that you mentioned in Guatemala um, to sort of come together and, and create their own network that's really focused on providing that support system that many of them have not had uh, within a family because they've spent most of their uh, years growing up in an orphanage. Yeah, there's a surprising statistic on your organization's website that I want to talk about. Eight out of 10 children living in orphanages have a living parent. So if that's the case, what are often the circumstances around these children that force them to move away from family? 
Oh, I'm glad you asked that, Madison, because it's um, it's really a, a powerful statistic. And I would say that um, it is it, it's a statistic that we found all over in, in all corners of the world and in Guatemala as well. So as you said, most eight out of 10 children currently in residential care or orphanages do have at least one living parent. But the reasons why they end up in residential care are typically poverty combined with another aspect such as lack of access to education or health care. Um, we know that violence in the home or in the community is also a reason. Uh, and as well, we see a lot of children who have disabilities whose parents would love to keep them at home but don't have access to the kinds of services that they need. Yeah, and unfortunately, some of that continues even after those children age out of some sort of orphanage or residential care placement. What kind of challenges do they face in that stage of life? Yeah, I think what we've learned from the young people that we've been so fortunate to work with and accompany on their journey, um, when they when they age out at the age of 18 and have to leave residential care, we know that many of them face problems um, with education or vocational training. It's very difficult to find a job. And in many cases, they haven't learned just um, normal life skills of how to keep a household budget, how to go food shopping in the local market. And I think one of the most difficult things is they don't have that support system that family so often provides. And so many of them do feel left out on their own and without that kind of emotional and social support that's so critical at that age. Yeah. How has this group of young adults in Guatemala sort of defied the odds by building their own family, this network called United for Change? Oh, I love talking about this group. Uh, it started about three years ago, and the idea really, I think, was um, driven by seeing how some other young people in different contexts, including Kenya, Argentina, how they had come together and not only provided a support system for one another, but in many ways became some of the um, loudest voices who were really advocating around the importance of family care. And in Guatemala, these young people are quite an inspiration and the objectives of United for Change or it's Unidos por el Cambio in Spanish is not only to provide that peer-to-peer -peer support network that, that they're craving and that they need, but also to help other young people kind of have a soft landing once they age out. So really sort of be that welcoming committee. And what they're really trying to work for is eventually helping to access or, or facilitate access to needed services, potentially employment, etc. But the idea is that they've really come together to be a family for one another and to create um, a community so that other young people who are exiting don't have to go through some of those hardships that many of them have faced. How can we in the U.S. support groups like yours that helps young people once they do leave residential care? Well, I just think first and foremost to thank U.S. Christians because 
Um, they are such a giving group. In fact, um, they give an estimated $2.5 billion annually. However, a lot of that money does go to residential care or to supporting orphanages. And I think on you know August 12th, as we celebrate um, young people around the world, is really asking yourselves and asking your faith community, is there something that we could be contributing to that really is supporting young people or supporting family care, um, including those families that I mentioned earlier, you know, who find themselves in, in hard times and often feel like the only option they have is to place their child. We really want to um, identify those families before they're uh, in that moment of crises and give them the kinds of services that enable them to provide that kind of care within a family that all of us as human beings, whether we're parents or aunts or uncles, we know the value of family. And so I think just asking ourselves and and doing a little homework and trying to find out who are those organizations in the countries where you might be donating to that are working to promote family care. Um, and I just think, you know, for me, having having the opportunity or privilege of, of working with these young people and, and hearing their voices and seeing their resilience, it just lifts my spirit and really does, I think, continue to build my faith that um, there is good in the world and that there are opportunities for us to contribute to that. Yeah, and I'm so glad that you brought that up and that your organization really focuses on that, not just taking care of the children, but taking care of the families and providing them with the support and the resources that they need to keep those families intact. Because really, all of this speaks to the importance of the family unit around the world and the stability and safety that it brings to children. So when the child's family does the opposite, creating a space of instability and danger, then the goal, as you said, should always be to protect the child in the moment. But also protect the child's future by helping repair the family that they come from. Yes, it is. You just summarized it beautifully, Madison. Your organization, again, for those listening, is changing the way that we care. Kelly, thank you so much for the work that you do in protecting children and families and for taking the time to share about this important topic today. Oh, thanks, Madison, for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. All right, Madison, appreciate that conversation there. Again, it's just one of those issues that's just heartbreaking to think about a child who would age out of the orphanage system or out of foster care, things of that nature. It's uh, it's heartbreaking. And so it's good to see somebody uh, taking on that initiative. All right, we're going to have time on the podcast today for one last thing. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, it's a, a great verse when we're thinking about freedom and liberty and what we're meant to do and what we can and can't do. It reads, I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Mm -hmm. And so just when we talk about free will, the ability to make choices, remembering that not everything is good, even if you have the ability to do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good reminder there. Uh, from first corinthians all right that's going to be all the time we have on the podcast today as always make sure you get on over to cbnnews.com and faithwire.com check out the news from a christian perspective lord willing in that creek don't rise we shall return tomorrow for more god bless enjoy the rest of your monday we'll see you tomorrow